The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Welcome, everyone. This episode of H2O, my name is Jason Hunt. I am Timothy Harvey. And it's just not been a good week. It's just been a rough week for... for uh, for anybody who uh, has been a fan of music or acting or villains or heroes, uh, music. Uh, Monday, we get the news that David Bowie passed away two days after his birthday, two days after releasing his new album. 25th album. Blackhawk, I think uh, it was uh, called. Black, Black Star. Star. Black yeah. Star. Have you seen the Have you seen the the videos, the two videos? They I released? have not yet. I've I've I yeah I saw one, but I don't remember. I don't remember how old it is. The one the one that he put out for uh, it's called Lazarus. Lazarus. Which that is, one I have not seen. Yeah, yet. it's 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 his goodbye. It's the goodbye song. Right. And it's the goodbye video. You're looking at it going, oh 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 yeah oh. <laughs> I mean, it sinks in, you know, because he's. Uh, yeah, he knew. Oh yeah, he knew. Eighteen months, he's been fighting cancer. Kept it from the public. Yeah, well, uh, worked on a worked on a on the show Lazarus, which was his his Broadway show. Right. Uh, recorded the album, made the videos, all the while fading. Yeah. And you listen to the sound of his voice. You listen to the strength in his voice that didn't fade. Um, it's just uh, I listened to the whole album. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. So it's a it's a great way to go out, but it's a huge loss for. And you think about it, his career was 50 years long, mm. and he shaped fashion and music, and the idea of what it meant to be a celebrity, and was a genre star. Oh yeah, well, I mean, his his some of his music was even genre. I mean, oh, yeah. when you you stop and consider, you know, the the you know, space oddity mm-hmm. and the whole Ziggy Stardust oh, yeah. thing, and 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 of course, um, one of the reason one of the one of the the times that I remember being surprised, uh, I was watching the Prestige, mm-hmm. and uh, we get to the credits. And it says Nikola Tesla, David Bowie. I was like, that was Bowie? What? <laughs> I had to go back and watch it again because it was such a, it was such a, a different look for him. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't recognize him as David Bowie. Right. I mean, because he looked like, you know, they, he was Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. And when, when the credits came up that it was Bowie, I had to go back and watch again because it was, it's a very good performance. Oh, yeah. And he hasn't really done a whole lot of acting in between. Uh, the Prestige well, and... Well, actually... I mean, well, I mean, as far as genre goes, I mean, he's done some some other stuff. He did uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, Firewalk Fire with, with Me. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, yeah he, did, uh, he did voice work. He did... Uh, um, he did the... Uh, he, he developed video games. Uh, did he really? I didn't yeah, know about the video had, game I can't remember the, remember the name of the video game, but uh, it's very much a David Bowie science fiction-y... Yeah, weird kind of experience. 
he was, of course, as everyone knows, he was the villain in the Venture Brothers. Oh wait, that wasn't actually him. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great, it was a great little tip of the well, hat to he, him. Yeah, he was the villain in Labyrinth. Oh yeah, which is where everybody, I mean, everybody suddenly, I mean, David Bowie was a thing mm -hmm. after Labyrinth. Interestingly, it's it's really interesting because you had, um, it's kind of like the Princess Bride. And that if you grew up with it, if you were there, mm -hmm. if it was part of the thing where you know you had that, that you were you saw it in the theater, right, right, um, it had an impact on you that um, an audience now, because the effects are very much a product of their time, and the kind of storytelling it is is very much a product of its time, and so it's kind of there's a quaintness and almost a roughness to it that. Your CG audience, uh, younger, won't appreciate. Well, would not would not necessarily appreciate. Um, we of course assume that our listeners are can see beyond such things and enjoy <laughs> the fact that that film is awesome. Um, but it's 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 a thing. I mean, it, it really is. If, you, if you're if you're in your th late thirties, thirties to early fifties, yep. It, it, that that film has a place in your heart that you're like, oh no, Jared's dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, and the Goblin King is gone. It, it's it's one of those things that, with with Bowie going, and and then then learning that Alan Rickman, oh yeah, passed the same week, mm -hmm. age sixty nine, same as Bowie, also can cancer, cancer, same as Bowie. There's a there's a there's a two there's a two word. Uh, thing yeah. that makes it that we're not going to use on the air, but the the first yeah. the first one is a swear word, and the second one is cancer, and it's appropriate, no. I think. Well, and then and then you look at our age, mm -hmm. and I think about how old David Bowie and Alan Rickman were, mm -hmm. and then I think about how old my parents are, and we and you start to th it starts to hit you because I I saw so many comments online from people saying the people we grew up with the entertainers we grew up with are now starting to go right and I, and you know it's granted it's a generational thing I mean, but you know Leonard Nimoy last year mm -hmm. and now you know, Bowie and Rickman and who you know, however many other people we're going to lose right. You know, Harrison Ford's in his 70s. Right. We just lost uh, uh, the tall man himself, Angus Grimm. Angus Grimm. And, and uh, you know, it's like they're going to start dropping. Yeah. And, well, and, and, and it makes me a little bit more aware of my own mortality, but, oh, it, sure. but it makes me think about my parents' mortality. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Both of these gentlemen are younger than my father. Oh. And younger than my mother. And I'm just like, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my dad is, my dad's 74, and he's, he's past where my grandfather was when he died. Yeah. So he's lived longer than his dad. The, you know, the only grandparent that I've got left is my dad's mother. She's 95. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know how much longer she's got, but you start to you start to think about these things. You know, these tweens and twenty somethings—they're invulnerable and they're immortal. And well, so were we, you know, in our teens and twenties. It's 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 a really interesting thing because somebody else pointed out that that there's a you know our parents went through the same thing right forty years ago, 
right? When the well, 30, 30, 40 years ago, when the when the big stars of the thirties and forties started to die. Well, when Elvis died. Oh yeah. In, back in yeah. what seventy seven. So you end up with this. It's it's a it's a. It's a kind of humbling and terrifying thing because it makes you think about the mortality of the people that you care about mm-hmm. always, your own mortality. Um, but at the same time, you realize how lucky you were to be able to watch these people work. I think it was Simon Pegg who tweeted out something along the lines of the the universe is four billion years old and just think how lucky you were that you actually All got right. to be here at the same time David Bowie yep, was here. that was Simon Pegg. And it's just like, point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> point to Mr. Pegg. <laughs> Well, I mean, the fact that we actually had this, that we actually got to, I mean, and, and it's, it's, but it's one of those moments where I sit there and go, I'm never going to see him play live. Yeah. You know, and there, add him to the long list of artists that I have, I have missed out on doing that because I, I don't, right. I don't go after that the way I would, I really would like to. Well, I re- right. then that reminds me of, of the, the, there's a movie, the movie Always. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg directed it. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think, either the last or one of the last films that Audrey Hepburn did. Mm. And I remember seeing an interview with Spielberg where he talks about the fact that he actually gets to work with Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. And he was so jazzed about it. And I remember in whenever it was that The Untouchables came out. Mm-hmm. You had The Untouchables, and then you had Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, I was going to make movies, right? And I thought, man, it would be really, really, really cool to work with Sean Connery. I'd love to work with Sean Connery. And then he retires. Mm-hmm. And he's, what, in his 80s? Yeah, yeah. He's not... I, 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 don't, I don't want the show to get morbid, but, you know... <laughs> right. All of, these, all of these people. You know, Peter Mayhew is training a replacement to play Chewbacca. Sure. You know, we're going to, we're going to get to a point where we're going to start losing these people. And... The other, the other thing that happened this week that reminded me of how old I am, we recorded a new episode of Eight Bits mm-hmm. Monday night. And you had to with... explain to the you had to explain to the new the new folks what an eight bit was. <laughs> well, no, and oddly enough, because you know eight bit it's it's in that it's in the culture, right? But. I engineered from here, and everybody dialed in. Mm-hmm. So you've got Marie Lim, and you've got Gareth, uh, 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 Garrett Aids, and you've got Travion uh, Leaphart, right. who's new to the to the group. And they're all, I mean, Marie's in high school. The other guys, they're probably you know eighteen, twenty, twenty two years old. So I I come on and I introduce the show and I turn it over to them because they know video games. I don't know anything. I don't know squat sure, about video right. games. And to listen to them talk, every other word was like, like, sure, sure, like, of course, which, you know, that's, that's the age. Right. And, and I do it myself some, but sure. not, not, yeah. not as frequently. <laughs> and I was listening to them and they're very competent when they're talking about their games they, you know they know their stuff mm-hmm. i'm very impressed with with the amount of knowledge the depth of knowledge they have about games you if those of you who are into video games you should listen to it but to hear their their vernacular i'm sitting there going man i'm old <laughs> <laughs> you, you know and i like Ugh. and i i sent a text i was i was Texting back and forth, forth with a friend of mine, and they're like, "Let the kids have their fun. <laughs> just, just let them go." I was like, "I, that's, that's fine." 
have I told you about my lawn lately? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and that's what that is. They're going, man, I think I need to go order my lawn. You know? Well, you know, the kids, it, the kids today with their rock and roll music. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, it, it is an interesting thing. It's a generational thing. I mean, I've, I've got a full grown child, you know, she's, right. she's a, she's an adult. Um, and it, there are times, there, there are times when I do not feel at my age at all. Right. There are times that they go, wait a minute. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm 45. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Um, and there, you know, and, but there, and of course there are days this morning, <laughs> for example, mm. where I was just like, I'm so old and broken. Yeah. Where's the coffee? Um, but it's, it really is a, a thing that, you know, we all go through and that, that sense of, of watching the next generation come along and I just, I mean, for me, in some respects, it's really fascinating because um, I see it in the film community too. See all these young kids who are coming out of college or, or, you know, they're in their 18s and 20s and, and I'm, I'm just looking at the level of enthusiasm and just energy and um, desire to do crazy things. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I want to I make a feature. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't want to make a feature. Make, yeah. make, make about a thousand shorts before you make that feature. Um, but it's, at the same time, it's really, really... Funny, funny you should it's say It's really that. cool. Oh, yes. This is an article on the uh, uh, American Society of Cinematographers website. Sure. It's an interview with Salvatore Totino. Mm -hmm. He's an Italian uh, cinematographer. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were at Camera Image in November. Uh, this is um, it's the Parallax View column. I don't see an author. I want to give a byline here, proper credit. Uh, David Hearing writing this article. Interview with Salvador Totino. And he says that uh, he almost became a police officer. And he was apparently he's a he's a very well, well known cinematographer in his circles. Okay. Um, but then he's he's talking about you know the love of photography, making a living at it. He says uh, one day he visited a distant relative who was shooting tabletop, and he was immediately fascinated. Soon he was, he was working as a production assistant. He said, my family thought I was crazy to quit my good job where I had just gotten a raise and a promotion to clean up garbage and get coffee. He bought a used camera, began taking photos, developing them in a, in a, in a lab that you can rent by the hour. And then it goes on. He says he met a camera assistant named Paul Gaffney on a commercial. He was working for a cinematographer named Jack Donnelly who allowed me to help out with moving cases. One day, Gaffney told Sal to move cases from one room to another and then later asked him to move them all back. At the end of the day, he told Sal, I can see you're serious. Why don't you come with me to prep and I'll teach you cameras. He says nowadays, attitudes about learning filmmaking have changed. You talk about these kids who want to come in and they want to shoot features. He says, I think our society right now is moving in a bad direction. There's so much entitlement. I promote from within, and I really believe in the apprenticeship program. That's how I learn, and I think that's a great way to learn. You not only learn about photography, you also learn about communication, which is really a key factor in what we do. He says, um, uh, 
let's see. I meet these kids on commercial sets, and one of them will say, hey, I want to get in the camera department. So I introduce him to my crew. My crew shows him a few things, and by midday, he's asking to operate the camera. It doesn't work that way. By the end of the day, he's sitting on the camera truck. He's not interested anymore. This, this sense of, I want to do it now. I, I want to be the one in charge now. I, I think I can think of definitely say that. I think for, for a lot of these kids, though, I'm I am more seeing a lot more of the willing to come out and do just about anything on a set. They just want to do it. But the story, uh, to, I, I'm thinking more on the lines of the fact that the stories in their heads that they want to tell. Yeah. Um, and I think there is something to be said for diving in. Head first, feet first, whichever direction you want to jump in. Um, but um, you've made a feature. I've made a feature. <laughs> We've worked on features. Yeah. Um, there are so many moving parts to do it right. And it is a commitment of time and energy and resources and other people's time and mm -hmm. energy and resources yep. that you... I, Make your mistakes where they can be buried, and it's a lot easier to bury a five-minute short than it is oh, to yeah. bury an hour-and-a-half one. Ask, <laughs> ask, me, ask me if I would do it the same way over again. Hey, would you do it the same way over again? Absolutely not. Of course not. No. So it's, it's um, I, am, I am in awe, to some degree, of their energy for what they want to do, yeah. how they want to do it. Um, I'm also, remember being that way? Myself, when I was doing theater, when mm -hmm. I was doing art. Um, so it's, it's I, I don't see so much of that, although it, it does pop up from time to time. I mean, you, you do yeah. meet those people, but most, trying, of the, uh, most of the kids. Yeah. In, you know, they are. Well, most, they are. Of, I mean, and, yeah, they a lot are. of them are kids, but most of them are, are just so interested in the ins and outs and finding out how things work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they want to touch the toys because the toys are cool. Sure. But there's also... Um, we just started a film training program thing that we're doing that we, it's one-on-one -on -one training with, with filmmakers. This is not a plug for <laughs> program. It kind of is, but it's not. Um, and the thing is, is that they didn't get to touch the toys. Right. Um, you know, if the, if the sound guy, you know, let him hold the boom, cool. You got to learn how to hold a boom. That's important. <laughs> you got to, got to look at the levels on when you're on the recording gear. Um, you know, and if, if, uh, you know, but it's, it's not the same thing. They're not going to, you know, you, it's a learning process. It's a, it's a, it's a, it is a process. It's a thing that takes time to do properly. So, um, I'm not a fan of the, the kids who would want to do that either, who would want to sit there and go, I, I want to be in charge right away. Well, guess what? <laughs> you yeah. don't get to, because yeah. nobody does. And if, if, well, you know. and, and I tell you, I, 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 I have been impressed with the attitudes of some of our new people. Sure. Because, yeah. yeah one, they're younger, mm -hmm. but they're also coming to me saying, I want to learn. I want to learn this, that, and the other. You know, teach, you know, teach me. Mm -hmm. you know, they, want to, they want to absorb and be sponges and get all this information on how to do things yeah. you know, with video production and writing and, and such. So it's, it's good for us that they have that enthusiasm, mm -hmm. but then you sit there and you go, and I wish I just had half that energy <laughs> no i mean i wake up in the morning and snap crackle pop and um and i'm like well where, where did the where did the when did we become them you know and and you know you and you look at stuff like like david bowie dying and alan rickman dying and and you it 
it kind of throws you a little bit sideways. Oh, sure. Not the fact that it's, you know, David Bowie. I don't know David Bowie. I, I never met him. I didn't know the guy. I didn't know anything about him. Other than what's in the public and, mm-hmm. you know, what we know out there and from he was him a, being he, a performer. And he was a very private man. So he right. actually kept a lot of his real life off stage. Well, and Rickman got married in secret. Yeah. He's been with this. He's been with this woman since uh, uh, what was her name? Nita, I think. Since nineteen sixty-five or something like oh, yeah. that. Yeah, they've been together forever. Yeah, and they got married in two thousand twelve and didn't tell anybody. I figured it was about time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, not knowing these people personally, there's there's not that personal sense of loss. I mean, you see a lot of people that are, you know, paying tribute and they're, you know, in, in quote unquote, in mourning. They're, mm-hmm, they're, sure. you know, they're, they're commiserating the loss of the talent. But it's not a, it's not a personal loss. Well, but I but think... it does make you sensitive to the, to the next one that is going to be personal. Oh yeah, because I think that for, for some folks, and, and and that was one of the interesting things about about both of these men, is that Rickman had two generations back-to-back who he created iconic characters for. Yeah. So uh, for us, Hans Gruber. Which was his first film role. His first film role. Two or three days in L.A., he gets cast in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, he had and done British, he had done stage. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Uh, Shakespeare. Yeah, Ro- yeah. Royal Shakespeare Company. Right. I mean, an yeah. amazingly talented stage actor. Uh, and of course, the voice. Everyone knows the voice. I mean, that iconic yes. bass growl purr Mr. thing. Potter. Yeah. <laughs> Who died and put you in charge? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wanted this. I wanted this professional. Uh, but it's, it's that that was us. That was, and then we got the sheriff of Nottingham, and we had we had the villain of the '90s. Right. He he was in many ways the iconic British villain. Right, smooth and 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 dangerous. Ultimately, very dangerous, but always that edge of politeness that he used like a dagger. Mm-hmm. And then the Harry Potter movies. For so our kids, the next generation of, of folks. Right, you know, it's. Um, I had one of the uh, on Facebook today. One of my one of my younger uh, friends on Facebook sat there and said, it's, "It seems like a shame that people are going. Most people are going to remember, remember him for for Harry Potter." And I'm like. Well, yeah, he made those. <laughs> he made those movies too, yeah. you know. But it's a generational thing, so it's like you know, for me, it's Hans Gruber, and it always will be. You know, right. yes, the Harry Potter. He's great as Snape, um, but Hans Gruber, and for and for my kid, and for you know the, that whole generation, Severus Snape. Severus Snape. Okay, Snape. sure. And for a lot of people, Alexander Dane, because you know, Galaxy Quest was course, right in there yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. And of course, when when we see Galaxy Quest. We see Alan Rickman from Die Hard. Oh yeah, yeah, because there's that connection. It was already there. Sure. You know, yeah, okay, the Harry Potter thing, whatever. But, but, oh, that's Hans Gruber. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Hans Gruber as Spock. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's that's just a, a great combination. Well, and the interesting thing about this is is and how I think why why losing someone like Rickman and losing someone like Bowie. The way it does feel very personal for people who have never met them mm-hmm. is that they've grown up with them. Yeah, and um, it was it's it's a it's a different for David Bowie because Dave, musicians music hits us in a different way, right? I mean, music you know, the 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 best music reaches out, grabs hold of you, and 
either makes you dance or makes you cry. It, 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 it's just, it's good music is emotional. Yes. Right. So, and of course, Bowie did was doing that during the seventies when 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 culture was shifting. Um, he he had you know for for the for the generation of of kids who were coming out uh, as gay and lesbian in the eighties um, and nineties. You know, he was somebody whose music was on the radio, and he didn't care what he dressed like. You know, he'd put on the makeup and the dress or whatever it was, and they were like, right, interesting. You know, and he's a star. And he's a, you know, so, I mean, he, he hit people in different ways. Um, and and then you add in things like Labyrinth, and you add in, you know, The Man Who Fell to Earth, and you do all these little things where he managed to hit people in, in, in emotional ways be, that went, you know, not just the music, but beyond the music as well. So it ends up being, you know, and if, again, a 50-year career, that's a lot of decades to impact people. So you're looking at really about three generations worth of, you know, science fiction fans and music fans and things like that to have had that him him there. Mm-hmm. Whether you thought the you know, you know, and, and it is really interesting. Again, what people remember because there's a whole bunch of folks who are like you know, oh yeah, the stuff from you know Modern Love and Let's Dance, and that was the stuff that Bowie was kind of like. When did I become a pop star? Oh right, and. Right. Um, you know, he was more interested, you know, it was fine, but it's, I, I, I think I read somewhere that he was actually kind of uncomfortable with the level of celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he for, was. For someone who was very much in the public light and somebody who very much loved to perform, the idea that suddenly he was this huge was kind of like, oh wait, hang on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then of course he promptly does something that com- traumatizes people because he goes off and does Tin Machine, which was, you know, industrial rock. People are all like, "What?" <laughs> and then the people who were fans of him when he was doing Ziggy Stardust goes, eh, eh, "Give it a couple of years. He'll, yeah. he'll do, something, he'll do else. something else." Because he did that. He, you know, he. And, well, then that was the other thing. I think really interesting. He reinvented himself whenever he felt like it, and it worked oh, yeah. and, every single time. And he did it before Michael Jackson did it. Before mm-hmm. Madonna did it. Yeah, he was. He was the one that was out there changing it up. Mm-hmm. Every time you turn around, he was doing something different. Well, and I heard an interview with him. I want to say it was from 2002 or somewhere in there where he was talking to Terry Gross on, on Fresh Air. And he was talking about doing back with the Ziggy Stardust stuff and how he basically, you know, he, want, he wanted to write musical theater when he was a kid. And he yep. wanted to do rock musicals. And, and so he created the character of Ziggy Stardust and he built the whole thing. And a year and a half into it, he got bored. And he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and he said the worst thing he ever did, the dumbest thing he ever did in his entire life was not going out and finding some kid, slapping the wig on his head, go, go, go be Ziggy Stardust. Because he wanted, you know, because it was theater. He was building this, you know, he was creating yeah. this character in the show. show. And he got bored with the show and didn't have somebody else take over the role. And mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, what am I, what was I thinking? So, I mean, and that was his life. He, he, the things that he was interested in, he went after. And he goes, okay, I want to do, I want to do this kind of music now. Yeah. Okay, I want to do this kind of music. Okay, I want to do this kind of music. And yeah, it was always experimenting. Yeah, and I think that I think that what the fans who I think feel the the worst about losing him are the ones, of course, who who were touched by his music in some way. Obviously, I mean, that's just that's just the the power of a, of a great musician is to mm-hmm. touch you. Uh, in, a, in, in an emotional and powerful way. 
and that's always a loss when you realize there's nothing new coming from that person. Right. 50, 50 years of catalog to, 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 to hold on to, mm-hmm. but you're like, what, n- nothing new? Seriously? No, every couple of years, we're supposed to get something new and amazing from these people, because right. that's the contract, right? We listen, you create. Um, that's a completely unfair contract, by the way, of creative types. Um, yeah, <laughs> George R. R. Martin could tell you about that. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That, is not, that is not a fair contract. But um, he, for the folks who managed to find various places in his career, when he did change, when it was something else, when he, when he became a new character, whether it was Ziggy or the Thin White Duke or, or the man singing from his deathbed that we get from the from the final videos, mm-hmm. um, or that's and that's and that's clearly what it's meant to be. Um, when those things keep when when you keep coming back to that guy, when 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 those changes actually hit you along the places of your life. When you or, or you get a chance to go back and listen to earlier stuff and, and relate to it at a different point when you become a, you become a fan in the eighties, but you're able to you know to like the stuff from the seventies, or you become a fan in the thousands and suddenly you realize the eighties stuff has got some cool. It ends up being this this depth of emotional stuff because again it's that music touching you thing, right? That ends up being this real very personal relationship that we get with musicians. Um, but it's just so much. There's so much there that it really is like a gut punch when you sit there and go, that's it. There's yep. no more. Speaking of more, yes. mm-hmm. there will be more will of be. our show. Uh, after we take this break, we'll let you hear from our sponsor, SuperheroStuff.com. We do appreciate their continued support. We do. We love those guys. We are getting close. We are getting close to 100 episodes with superhero stuff. I know. We're getting close to 100 episodes in the show. Right. And then 15 after that is 100 with superhero stuff. They've been with us since episode 15. We get to become superheroes at that point, right? Uh, Sure. (laughs) We'll order some capes. Right? All right. We're going to go. We're going to go refill coffee mugs and we will be back talking about David Bowie, Alan Rickman, and our lawns when H2O continues right after this. Podcasting is our superpower. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Where can you get Age of Ultron stuff? SuperheroStuff.com Where can you get Justice League stuff? SuperheroStuff.com Where can you get Doctor Who stuff? SuperheroStuff.com Where can you get Daredevil stuff? SuperheroStuff.com New items being added all the time. Get your superhero stuff at SuperheroStuff.com Plus, the Hero Box is back. $70 worth of superhero stuff for only 49 bucks. SuperheroStuff.com Where heroes shop. There are plenty of places to get your genre news. We get that. Which is why we go visit those places for you. And then we bring it all back here so it's all in one handy little place. Sci-Fi for Me is your one-stop shop for everything genre. Comic books, video games, TV, movies, the latest best-selling novels. Join us as we delve into the many story universes over a nice cup of coffee. We've got everything you need, all in one place. SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. 
Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope. AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. You're listening to H2O on Sci-Fi for Me Radio. By Grabthar's hammer, you remind me of the babe. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know that's going to work there. That's a curious uh, combination. Is it? Uh, back on H2O, Jason Hunt here with Timothy Harvey. Hello. And we are um, sort of kind of feeling our age this week. Feeling our age and feeling feeling the the loss of time, the, yeah. the, the, the passage of time with it, and and you know what? I, okay, I, talking about feeling your age. Real quick digression here. That's not really a digression. Um, I work with my my day gig is is where I work with doctors, pathologists, and some of them are older than me, and some of them are younger than me. Yep. And the younger ones are fun. The older ones are fun. I got some really great people I work with. Um, and. Um, we talk about a wide range of things just in passing because, of course, my, my job usually means coming by their office going, hi, here's the thing, bye, do, and yep. out the door. Right. <laughs> and so we were talking about this with, with uh, this morning, talking to one of my doctors about, about uh, uh, Alan Rickman. And we'd actually talked about David Bowie on Monday. And he actually was not a fan of certain periods of Bowie's music and things like that. But we, we got to talking about the, the movies that Alan Rickman had made and the ones that we had seen mm-hmm. that nobody remembers. And Quigley Down Under. Oh, yes. Uh, see? And you just, did, you, just, yes. you just did what everybody who saw that film in the theater, it was, it was not a hit. It did not do well at box office. It was, right. I guess the original plan was that it was hopefully going to be the first of several Quigley stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. But Alan Rickman was, and this was, this was a post-Sheriff of Nottingham villain. Right. So everyone had, and, and his, his, villain, his villainy was just as nasty, but it was much more restrained. Yeah. And so I liked that movie. I mean, some points I'm going, yeah, truly, madly, deeply, mm-hmm. which was, um, and, and I realized this is blasphemy for a person of our age, <laughs> a segment of our listeners may re, who are in uh, this age group may regard what I'm about to say as as um, a blatant falsehood. How dare I? Oh, because truly, madly, deeply came out about the same time as Ghost. Oh, right. Yep. And it is a superior film in every way. <laughs> <laughs> from the right. How dare you See? say that? Sir? I know, I know. Yeah. But but the thing is, is that it's 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 it's. I mean, Ghost Ghost is. I watched Ghost in the theater. I liked Ghost too. It's it's a, it's a, it's got it's got a thing. It was all right. But it's it. I don't think it's aged well at all. Oh no. Okay. No no no. Truly, no. madly, deeply, really, really has, with the exception of of Alan Rickman's mustache in that film. It's a bad mustache. It's a mustache that we should all be ashamed of. Mm. Um, even those of us who didn't have that mustache at any point in our lives look at it and go, oh, I feel bad for that. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. but <laughs> Although Ben McKenzie 
would kill for the mustache. You know what? It would help Ben <laughs> McKenzie and Gotham immensely to yes. have Alan Rickman's mustache it, from, it from Truly Medity. But anyway, it's it's a film that you you know your Harry Potter audience needs to go back and discover because they haven't they haven't you know they 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 saw Severus Snape, but they need to go see the romantic. Mm-hmm. They need to go see the and, and the folks the folks who loved him in. Um, uh, uh, oh, love actually, love actually. Okay, um, and cringed for his middle-aged man doing dumb things as some middle-aged men will do. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking None about. None of us. No, no, of course not. Um, Let me but, go put on my fighting trousers. But go I'll back and watch that. It. Go watch him as as somebody who is the romantic lead. Oh yeah. And yeah. and you know you don't think of him that way necessarily, but he was a huge range as a performer. Well, and a lot of people don't realize he was a director as well. He oh, directed yeah. movies. Oh yeah, and, and theater. And he was a good, he was a very good director as well. Yep. I mean, that was the, so it's, it's, I think, and part of its culture, um, the theater culture here, yeah, outside of New York and L.A. and, and Chicago and, and some of the places where, where you have really strong theater environments, and Kansas City has a great theater environment. Let me, let me just pitch in for the folks that we know in the theater world. Mm-hmm. We have still got some fantastic theater companies here in town. And there's a real effort now that the eyes of KC, the eyes of the world keep pointing at KC because of a little baseball team of ours. Um, and so it's Wait, St- we have baseball here? Well, we have more sports than St. Louis is about to have. <laughs> oh! oh! Yeah, sorry, St. Louis. <laughs> Not really. Um, but um, the, the, the culture in, say, the UK mm. for theater, I mean, those, a, a, a theater star in the UK is a star. Right, you know, that's, that's like uh, like Clooney here. Yeah, yeah. and because the cult, because the culture is important, the theater culture is is much more important there, and well, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, and as a theater kid and a, and a performer, you know, and, and as as a storyteller, I love that, and I wish we had more of it here. I I do not get out to see plays enough here in town, and it kills me because we have so many friends who are in the theater world, mm-hmm. and it's like. I want to come see your show. I don't have any money. Well, or I don't have any time. Uh, or I don't have yeah. You know. Curtis Curtis Smith, part of Team Zombie. He yeah. wrote. He just wrote a play. Oh yes, he did. And mm-hmm. they're yes, they're did. doing readings for it now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done. He's. Right. I think he's out of our group. Is he the only one that's actually a performer on stage right now? Out of everybody that's part of what we do. Out of the current, the current, the current uh, crowd? Uh, yeah, out of the current uh, sci-fi for me, horror for me staff. He's yeah. our only, he's our only performer. I mean, Sam Sam Sentman has done some stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, Angie uh, Angie Fiedler Sutton, our our LA correspondent, she ran Casey Stage Magazine for a, a mm-hmm. number of years. Yeah. Um, she's very uh, connected to the theater community here. I did my last stage show, good Lord, five years ago now. I think that mm-hmm. sounds about right. After a 19-year gap, come back to one yeah. one run and then sit there and go back to movies. I did, my last stage performance was in 1989, I believe. It was from 91 to 19, so... Yeah. No. So yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, I'm not getting back on stage. <laughs> I, you know what? I really, I really loved being on stage. I completely get why some people. Uh, it, it is, it is the life you choose, mm-hmm. right? Or chooses you, right? I take it. Back. I have, to, I, I have to correct myself. 
the radio theater we did. Mm, right. But see, that to me is in a different category because I'm not actually performing, like mm-hmm. doing doing the blocking and all, you know, right. like yeah, being yeah. the character on stage. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm reading. So it's it, to me, I'm in the mindset that it's radio more than it is theater right. for that stuff. Because right. you know, I'm not I'm playing a part, but I'm not physically inhabiting the part. And there's sets and there's props and sure. there's all this. Sure, of course. The last time I did that was in 1989, yeah. and I don't want to do that again. No, I, radio theater. I I can do it till the well, cows and come we, home. And we talk we talk about doing more radio theater here with us because we want to. Yes, and, and we're, we will work our way there. Um, Maybe we should have an Alan Rickman character in everything that we do. I just, Some, somebody should do a Rickman-type voice for whatever production we're in. Well, see, we're now now do. I'm thinking about like a horror for me. Ooh. Radio horror. How would I do that? Interesting. I have to ponder that. Um, but no, I completely get how people on stage, the stage life, mm-hmm. the performance thing. Um, and I think that uh, uh, a friend of, our, a friend of, uh, of mine here in town, and, and you know too, Annie Cherry. Yeah, so Annie is a Annie is a, a really amazing burlesque artist here in town. Kansas City's got a real big burlesque community. Some amazing performers. And she posted to social media yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Might have been today, where she sat there and goes, Four words you could tell your your teenage self. Just four. Oh. And I, I, was, I was reading down this long list, and people, there were some of them were really funny, and some of them were really sad, and some of them were really just, you know. Don't go up north. <laughs> See, you know. <laughs> that's, that's like that. and, and one of my, and the one that occurred to me, and I actually got, you know, total strangers are like, you know, liking this comment I made, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. And it was, stay on the stage. No. Because, and I actually, um, the funny thing is, as soon as I typed it, it occurred to me that that actually is it's a bigger thing than than me specifically so um i stopped doing theater in uh, 1991 because i had to choose between theater and graphic design yep and i chose poorly <laughs> um but no well it, it was okay it no it was it was a choice i made and and, and it, it, well, led, it, it it led it, to it, it led to me here and yeah, so it, but it was motivated by career yeah. rather than passion right exactly and and that is always, I've been there. That, is, that. that is always a tough choice to make, and it yep. is often not always often the wrong choice. But um, oh, we could we could we could talk for days about wrong choices. Yeah. yeah. So, but so that's not what this show is. No, but so um, so stay on the stage. You know where you know visualizing a life I could have had if I'd stayed in theater and, mm-hmm. and done the things, and, and I probably wouldn't be making movies. I'd probably be off doing you know, I hopefully would be off performing. Right. Yeah. Um, Although Rickman went back and forth, he did go he, back and he, forth. He made it work. He was able to do both. Well, and I came from I the the the, the core group of people that I came out of high school and college with, and it's a really I mean I there are so many people who are far more talented than I was, mm. um, and the sheer number of them who are not doing performing of any oh, kind. Oh yeah, it just it it it, it hurts actually to realize some of these folks who have such talent who are not getting you know, and and they make the choices they make right right um so they may be the right choice but the standard is like oh wow that talent come on yeah um i've had friends go on and do television i've had friends i got my, my friends uh, uh sorry scott i'm gonna call you scott not your stage name um but uh uh zephyr um really zephyr um okay. anyway he's an opera singer and it's a perfect stage name for him, and he's an amazing opera singer. I still don't know how 
he produces that voice out of that body. Yeah. Because he's not, you expect him to be huge, and he's this slender guy. But um, so there's a handful of folks who are doing this stuff, right? Uh, but anyway, stay on, stay on the stage is, you know, if you're if you're a performer, keep performing. Whether it's the stage or or whatever it is, you know, whatever whatever your 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 art is, mm-hmm. stay on the stage. You know, keep what you're doing. Rickman and Bowie never stopped doing the thing they wanted to do, and in both cases, we hear over and over again just how nice. They were doing it, right? How kind, how gen- genuinely kind they were. Now, Bowie, Bowie did some stuff in the seventies. It was in the eighties that you know it rock. It's it's a rock and roll thing, right? And there's some there's some very interesting questions being raised about how we look at you know the groupie thing then versus now, right? Yeah, and so, so that's and that's that's a real discussion to be had. But the people who knew him. And 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 had him work through their lives with him. You know, they they constantly talk about how just how what a genuinely nice person he was. How nice and funny and generous and kind. And Rickman, um, Daniel Radcliffe just posted a thing, mm-hmm. um, like three or four paragraph uh, remembrance, and he talked about the fact that uh, he was told from people who had known Alan for years that if you called him. And left him a message. He would be back with you in 24 hours. I mean, he would always he would always return a call. There would never be a sense of him going, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to call. He didn't forget to call. Yeah. Um, and he was just one of the. And apparently, he went to like every single one of any any show that that Radcliffe had done, whether in in the UK or or in the states. Any hmm. any, any stage show, Rickman would be in the audience at some point because he was just you know yeah. that's what he did. He went to see his friends' shows. He went to see the people, you know, because that's who he was. Yeah, and and you get these pieces of people's lives that you don't when you're looking at them as the star. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't get those. You don't get those snapshots yeah. of the person. And of course, you have someone like Bowie who was notoriously private. Um, I mean, let alone the fact that we didn't know he was sick, but that was his life. I mean, he really kept it very. He, everything yeah. there was there was always a. He understood the difference between being the public, the the the. David Bowie, the star, and being Davy Jones, yeah, at home. Well, and it's funny you talk about you know no, you know the per, the perception of somebody as a celebrity as opposed to a real person, um, and and the the intersection point here about you know feeling our age, Catherine mm-hmm. uh, McNamara, yeah, who is currently the lead in Shadowhunters, right? Yep. If you look at her IMDb page, the very first thing on her on on that list is a short film that I made that she was an extra in right. when she was all of like I think ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was this was her first thing. I mean, she'd done some modeling, some stuff, but this was you know, this was her first thing on film, right? First little movie. And I remember having conversations with her mother back and forth in email and stuff, talking about how, how dedicated to the craft she was. I mean, she just wanted to soak up everything that she could learn about filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And that was 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. 2007, I think. And now here she is, all grown up. 
She's been on Broadway with Angela Lansbury and mm-hmm. Catherine Zeta-Jones, and now right. she, you know, she's done a lot of Disney stuff. You know, guest stars on 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 different Disney shows, and she had a lead in a TV movie that Disney did, and now she's the lead in a series. She's carrying a series. Yeah. And I look at that. When did she grow up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, wait a minute. Oh what? sure. Huh. Yeah. Well, and my own kid. You know, mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna be fourteen this month. Yeah. I was like. Wait a minute. Mine turned 25 last year. I know. The time just gets... Well, and it's and it's things like, and I don't want to say celebrity deaths, but those kind of things that kind of knock you upside the head and, mm-hmm. and you start to take a look around and, oh, wow. Where, well, where, where did the time go? Okay, and I, 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 think, I think part of that comes out of the fact that when you have somebody who has that kind of history, that kind of exposure, that kind of, of interaction with your life, no matter how distant, you know, mm-hmm. no matter how much you, you don't know that person, you know that image of that person, right? Right. Um, you know, they don't talk to you through the television. Um, Wait, what? Those, those are just the voices in your head. Um, but, yeah, I know, it, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm so disappointed. I, I, well, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> to, to disappoint me? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just you and everybody else, buddy. <laughs> um, so, um, the, but you can't get away from it. And that sounds, that, 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 that kind of sounds wrong. But the reality is, is that you're surrounded by it. Because it is, a, it, they, they are, they are figures of celebrity, right? Yeah. And, and the dip, you know, so you, you're, unless you cut yourself off from the world entirely, you can't avoid the fact that other people are reacting to that. And because we live in the world that we do with this instant response, you know, every, how everybody's reacting to the loss of somebody like Rickman or, or, or Bowie. Right. And some of that is really amazing because you get these outpourings of, of gratitude for the gift they gave with their talent. And there are other people who want to reach through the internet and strangle because the internet is full of terrible people saying terrible things. Wait, what? <laughs> I know it's a shock. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, and so it kind of forces you to. It yeah. forces you to in a way that, that you know, if, if an ordinary person, um, and, uh, I, I'm, you know, there's, there's a large catalog of David Bowie's music that will tell you that there are no ordinary people. So I'm going to sit there and say that's true because it is, mm-hmm. um, we are extraordinary. Everybody, you know, it, it sounds like a post, a postcard, but we are, everyone's extraordinary in their own way because we all have, we all are, if, if we're doing life right, we're touching people and, and getting people care about us and we care about people too. And that's, that's the important part. That's the thing we're all supposed to be doing anyway. Right. Right. Theoret- theoretically, that's what Maybe. we should. Be, that's, that's how we should. We, we should be playing with the world. Is, is in... I guess. But you know that involves interacting with the world. Yeah, it's not something that I do very well. Go forth and be nice to people. That's uh, yes. that's. I, I, there's there's a couple of books on the subject that hopefully that's dangerously close to veering into religion. Yep. Um, but <laughs> be nice to each other. Forgets. But it's it's um, you. You, and in their age, their age, their their talent, their their impact on your own life, um, when that first impact happened, mm-hmm. okay. So you know, um, Die Hard was what 88? 80, 88, 89, somewhere in there. Okay, so yeah, um, there was still a teen attached to the end of my age. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I wasn't yet 20. Yep. Um, and I was getting, I think it had to have been 88 because I was getting ready to go to college. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's. Did you see, um, did you see Patton Oswalt on Conan? Mm-mm. Talking about the Star Wars trilogies? No. And, well, he was talking about the, the way we react to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and the way he was talking about it, I I kind of I was right there with him. I'm like, yeah, okay. He said, <laughs> the original trilogy in the '70s and the '80s, that's your buddies you go hang out with, you know, drinking, smoking, hanging out, late night carousing sure. party, okay. yeah, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Then everybody grows up, and it's all politics and <laughs> economics and money and jobs. Oh, I love it already. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then. Then you get the midlife crisis, and it's back to <laughs> drinking and smoking oh, and carousing out. He said, that's what A Force Awakens is. And I sat there, and I went, I actually get that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I understand where he's coming from. You know, a lot of people are, are taking him to task for it, but he's right. You no, know, it's I would that, agree with that. I would see that, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. But the sad part is that I completely identified with that. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that you would understand as well in your 20s well okay yeah i think i think so much of this stuff is a perspective thing yeah example um david bowie is credited with helping bring down the berlin wall okay he's credited by the german government as helping bring down the berlin wall Mm. Um, because he did the show where he was on the Berlin Wall. Right. Okay, he also sang it in German. And the East German military is right there going... <laughs> okay, so I mean, it's, he he did something, and, 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 and so much of that stuff is timing, right? Yeah. It's where you are. Um, so, but I mean, yeah, he's, they, they, he, that's actually a cultural thing, is because that was the Berlin years when he was living there. Yeah. And so they're, they're like, well, yeah, he helped. He helped with that. He was part of. He was part of that whole thing. There was a whole. There was a lot of different things, but he was part of it. And so you're like, well, wait a minute. Who remembers the Berlin Wall? Yeah. Okay. There's the, that. Uh, well, that's a that's a generational thing. Exactly. Because so, you know you've got people now that were born after Reagan was president. Sure. They don't know who Reagan was. Right. You well, know, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's a name in history. Right. In and, history he's, and, and his name that pops up during election yeah. season. But so you got the Berlin Wall. So Pink Floyd played at the Berlin Wall. Or Roger Waters. Roger Waters Pink Floyd played at right. the Berlin Wall. Um, you know, Freddie Mercury was still alive. Queen was still around during the Berlin Wall. I mean, all the, there are these things that are gone. Mm-hmm. That are a generational, you know. I mean, it's like it's like my ex-wife who wanted to reach through. No, she was, it was a live human being. She almost reached across the, a room and actually throttled some kid for talking about how uh, uh, the new Queen song from um, uh, the Mike Myers Dana Carvey movies. Uh, oh, oh, Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Yeah, the new Queen song from in Wayne's World. <laughs> and she just looked across her and went, "House." Stupid are you? You know, well, when, when I've told I've told this story before that when when I was in high school, uh, a friend of mine was telling me the story when he was in the record shop, mm-hmm. and this is back when we had record shops oh, that, were, that well, were dedicated to we, records that we do again. 
Yeah, but they're they're not record shops. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're not they're not the, there's, they're, yeah. there's vinyl in the stores, they, but yeah, there's true, not okay, a yeah. de- you know not not here. Yeah, you, can, right. you have to go to someplace like New York or. So or he's at the mall and he's in the record shop and he's he's browsing through the albums and all and the aisle across, behind him. Hey, look at this! Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings. Right. You know, was like, he just wanted to come across the table with this kid and like. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. It's but but yeah, you're right. There are these things you know. This idea that East Germany is gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when oh, sure. Germany reunited. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, the maps are going to change. Everything changes mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, not, not, just the, not just the cartography, but the cultural. The, you know the oh, cultural yeah. impact and of it was, this, and it was not an easy transition. And this is, oh, no. you know, and so we, we, you know, uh, we we talk about we talk about the 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 chaos in the world. You, you turn on the news and you hear about this country or that country, or that country. But you have to remember that in the you know not in in the rememberable past, a major first world industrial culture reunified. Yeah, and it was chaos. So it's you know. Well, and there's some people that are still still wishing that that would that we'd go back to some of that. Um, well, but I mean, I mean, you look at what Vladimir Putin's been doing. We're not going to get politi- yeah, yeah, you know, but, political. Yeah, yeah, but 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 actually talking about Russia, I mean, when the Soviet, okay, again, the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union. Yeah. So, and and you look at these again. You look at these guys' careers, spanned that. You know, they were they were performing when these things were there. So they well the the. Uh, the the terrorists uh, in Die Hard, mm-hmm. you know Hans Gruber. That's a it's a German name, but Rickman, you know, Rickman's a Brit, mm-hmm. and half of the guys that were on that that squad at Nakatomi were. I mean, there were a couple of Russians, sure. and, you know, so these these Eastern Bloc, right? Yeah. You know, because back then, Cold War villains, they were the bad guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're still the bad guys because you know it's Russia, but. It's the it's that mentality, mm-hmm. you know. You're right. The Cold War was right there in the middle of all of that. Mm-hmm. No, the thing about Die Hard is that you if if you don't know that, if if you don't know, it still works. It still works. If you don't know the it's culture, it's still a great Christmas movie. It is. It is one of the best Christmas <laughs> movies. That and Scrooge. Um, in fact, every Christmas, Die Hard and Scrooge. Yep. Because Carol Kane and the toaster. Um, but um, see, my kid's not old enough to watch Die Hard yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you let him see Scrooge yet? Probably not. No, we haven't watched Scrooge yet. Okay. Um, yeah, give him another year on Scrooge. There's some. There's some subtext. See, I'm not. I'm. I'm not big. I, I'm not that big of a Bill Murray fan. But you know, Christmas movies really don't do a whole lot for me because it is well it's and, Christmas. But, but it's, you know, that's that's the best. Here, okay, here's here's our real digression. Um, the best thing about Scrooge is that it is the Bill Murray movie where if you were not aware that he was actually an actor uh-huh. as opposed to just a comedian, if you'd missed some of his other stuff where he actually acted, right. it's the film you sit there and go, oh yeah, he's an actor. And where you see that Bobcat Goldwaith is actually an actor. Oh yeah? Yeah. And not to mention... I didn't remember he was in that, but yeah. Not to mention right. was... Carol Kane with a toaster. Mm. It's... <laughs> It's the best. It's the best. One of the best bits of slapstick violence in the history of cinema, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Because 
it's Carol Kane with a toaster and Bill Murray. Somebody's <laughs> going down. So yeah, great stuff. But but it's humping, 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 humping. Slightly different character, <laughs> but but it's it's um, it's this kind of thing where uh, with Die Hard that you you don't you don't need the backstory of the culture that it's in to right. get it right. It's, it's, yeah, you just know they're bad guys. It's, but it's also it, in terms of the story itself, it, it, it's it's aged well. It it holds up. Mm-hmm. In fact, it, it it and the first Die Hard. I'm sorry, the, the second Die Hard, the, the first two Die Hards, I think age really, really well. I think the third one starts to age less well. Right. The fourth one... Not so much. Not so much. And there was a fifth movie, I have been told. I actually watched it. It's. I haven't seen that one. It's... I actually, I ha- actually I've not seen... Um, I know I haven't seen five. I can't remember if I saw four or not. Yeah, no, I did. I yeah, I did see four because four was the one with four Justice Long. The Justice one was, Long. Yeah, that was the one with the hackers. Right. Okay. Yeah, I have seen that one. I haven't seen five. Yeah, unfortunately, four also has the one of the worst ADR jobs. Um, my daughter and I watched that together. That was mm. that was the summer of the fir- of Die Hard four and the first Transformer movie. Ooh. We watched them in the, we watched them in the yeah. theater the same week. And uh, yay, my kid really enjoyed giant robots beating the crap out of each other. Cool. Because. That's what you wanted of a child sure. is to enjoy, you know, violence between machines. <laughs> um, but also, she was keenly aware, as I was. It was a dumb movie, but but it was, you know, it, visually it was interesting sometimes. And there is a moment in um, uh, Die Hard Four, whatever. The, what is the subtitle on that one? That one was Live Free or Die Live Hard. For, yeah, Live Free or Die Hard. I actually own it, um, but. Uh, uh, where they're walking and they're talking, and it is so clearly an ADR job in terms of the, the sound and right. the visuals. The, right. the, the, the blips don't match. And it's an obvious thing. And I'm going, I'm like, oh, wow. And my kid leans over and goes, that looks wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, yep. So, <laughs> Star Trek II. Oh, yeah. The scene, the, the conversation between Admiral Kirk and Lieutenant Savick after the Kobayashi Maru. The elevator one? No, the the one on the bridge oh, okay, simulator sure. mm-hmm. when she says, I don't think this was a fair test of my command abilities. Mm-hmm, You're right, right that, yeah. that one. It is, that that one to me is one of the worst mixes mm. because the way the bridge set is, you've got a lot of bounce and echo. Oh, yeah, sound, sure. Uh-huh, right? Yeah. So there is such a huge difference between... Kirstie Alley's lines, which are clearly recorded in the studio, right. ADR, and Shatner's lines, which are on set, because her lines are clean and they got a lot of bass to them. They got you know they're you know, real nice rich tones, mm-hmm. and right. you can tell that Shatner's dialogue is recorded right there, mm-hmm. you know, because it there's, the sound is so different. And it bugs me every single time I watch that movie. Because it just, it, yeah. you know, it, it takes you out, it pulls you out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, you know, I can sit and I can, I can watch the movie. I enjoy the movie. It's great. But that one, that, that moment, one like, moment, uh, yeah. right there, I'm like, oh, why couldn't they have done this better? I, uh, um, I actually have a, uh, a little tiny tablet thing. 
right? It doesn't really do anything. It's just a little, I basically got it so I could read Kindle stuff, right? Right. And uh, it was on sale. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, I can Those are the it. best kind. I, they are the best kind of thing. And um, so I actually actually downloaded a book to it because mm-hmm. I hadn't done it. I had it for like two months and I haven't downloaded a book. <laughs> but the autobiography of James T. Kirk was on sale for a dollar. Oh, right, sure. So I downloaded it and I actually read it in like an afternoon because I read stupidly fast. Right. Um, and luckily I actually have really, really good retention. This is not actually a very good marketable skill, by the way, kids. So, <laughs> I mean, I have news. <laughs> Just because reading fast doesn't necessarily mean you. Right. Um, but um, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. That's a little plug yeah. there for for a uh, some for a, a a novel out there. Um, and you could a, write a review. I might have to do that. Well, actually, I will <laughs> have to do that because um, they give a really there's a really interesting explanation for um, Star Trek Five. Oh. Oh yeah. It well it, it didn't happen. That's a that's that's a a movie that was made by people who were trying to. Make a movie about the 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 crew of the Starship Enterprise. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember the planet? Do you remember the planet with bre- bread and circuses? Oh, okay, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So right. it's later, and oh, they're, te- they're they're telling, telling the story stories of of, uh, of of the crew of the Enterprise. You know that and, actually works. And, <laughs> and I had I had read a review because I'm like, oh, it's, do, I, do I want? I mean, it's a dollar, right? I, I, I can throw away a dollar, but do I want to read the book, right? Yeah. So I, I looked at a few of the reviews, and somebody did not like that explanation at all. And I was like, well, now I have to read it because I have to see how this is done it because they don't. All they all they mentioned was is and pretending and pretending that Star Trek Five didn't happen. And I'm like, no, I got to see how we get around <laughs> this one. And I was like, okay, sure, yeah. So. But it's like, oh, there you go. It's I, not a thing that happens. I have to tell you, I am annoyed at Amazon. Yeah. Because I downloaded a bunch of stuff to my Kindle. Yeah. And somewhere along the way realized that they had set up a Kindle.com address, email address. Mm-hmm. I said, this is not my this is not my email address. Let's attach it to my email address. Let's put right. you know, so, not realizing what was going to be the consequences of such, I disconnected from that one and said, you know, connect to my oh, Amazon no. account, yeah. which it already was apparently, but now it's connected to my Amazon account again, uh-huh. but it sets up a new connection, oh, no. which means everything that I downloaded before is gone. Is gone. Oh, no. Well, it's still out there wherever that one is and amazon won't consolidate they won't sit there and go oh, oh you downloaded this stuff you pay for it. i paid for john carter and the gods of hollywood mm-hmm. and i don't have it anymore because i disconnected my kindle and now i can't get to it and i'm not going to yeah, pay for it again right right <sighs> you know it's, it's this kind of stuff that you know makes me makes me regret getting older <laughs> because you know the technology I you know I told my kid the other day when I retire all the devices are going away. Yeah. All the technology is going away because when we were younger it was simpler. You had a phone. The phone rang when somebody called you. If you weren't home, it rang. Nobody picked it up. You didn't know who <laughs> called. You didn't know you'd missed a call when you got home. You know, there's no mes- messages on the machines. There's no call forwarding, no call uh-huh, waiting yeah. or anything like that. 
Yeah. Life was better before pagers. I am... <laughs> <laughs> I am going to... Uh, did you want to go back before answering machines? Yes. Okay. I do. So uh, when this happens, we will uh, make sure to come by and throw food over the fence for you <laughs> because I'm not going back to those days. Just, just set were, it on the front porch. Because they were kind of terrible <laughs> in uh. so many ways. There are some great things about them too. Um, okay. So obviously for you and I, um, Die Hard was Alan Rickman's. That was our yes. introduction. Yep. And... First Bowie song you can remember? Oh, I suppose it's either either Space Oddity or Golden Years, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I I listen to a classic rock station, so I hear Bowie all the time. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I I wouldn't be able to tell you for sure what the first song that I heard from him. I do remember. When MTV first came out, mm -hmm. and MTV stood for music television back in the day, right, and right. they actually played music videos back it was, in the it was, day. It was a very interesting and cool time it for that. It was. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. very, very strange, very surreal. But I remember catching the music video of Bowie and Mick Jagger doing Dancing in the Streets. Right. And I remember sitting, thinking to myself, wait a minute, that's Martha Reeves. Yeah. What are they doing singing that? You know, it wasn't anything about the video. It was really because I hate that video. It's it's I, a cover. Why are they covering Martha Reeves and the Vandals? What, what? I didn't mind. The, I didn't. It's mind. not bad. Oh but, no! It's, it's I really, mean the video. The, I I didn't even. I mean the video never even registered on me because they're you know right yeah you know, it's Bowie and Jagger and it's the eighties and it's Miami Vice and whatever that that was clearly mm -hmm. an influence. Oh sure, but the song itself. Uh, it's not bad, you know. It's got a beat, and you can dance to it. But why are they covering Martha Reeves? Right. Well, yeah. and I think that it really was one of those. Um, uh, it was it, one. It was, of, it, it was. A, it was a product of its time. It was definitely a product of its yeah. time, and it's. It's. I think one of the lesser lights of either man's career. Well, it's probably, <laughs> that's in that stretch where Bowie was the pop star. Yeah, I mean, and it, wasn't quite sure what to do with it. I and I'm not. Think. And I'm. And and I am always going to love the song "Modern Love." Yeah. Um, you know, um, because, or, or Let's Dance and things like that. I mean, some, a lot of that music out of that period, I really, Changes. Really, changes. Um, and so, Modern Love has got that line that you should really appreciate it right there. It's like, you know, the opening line is, I don't want to go out. I want to stay in. <laughs> get things done. Right? So, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, um, uh, <laughs> So yeah, well, I, and interestingly enough, that does I, hit the nail kind of on the head there, I doesn't know, it? Doesn't yeah. it? But it's it. <laughs> so yeah, changes. Because um, I, I, I think the first time I heard changes, um, uh, was right about the time I think that hearing that on the the AM radio station, that in Space Oddity on the AM radio station in which mm. back before FM was a thing, so the seventies, right? 70s, right? Yep. Um, but. Uh, um, the Golden Years really sinking in the the Stephen King miniseries, Golden Years, mm. um, where that was actually the the theme song, right? And thinking that's just really good. What is it? Oh, it's David Bowie. Okay, well, and and having not having that sense until the eighties um, of of really going after the catalog of an artist, yeah, right, um, and then finding the depth of Bowie's catalog. And then finally watching The Man Who Fell to Earth in college. Mm. And not the full, not the full cut. Right. Just the, 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 the not director's cut, I guess. 
Um, and just thinking it was a weird, weird film. And <laughs> and being and then I went, but I went and read the book. So, but it, so it's this kind of thing where where you know like it's it's, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. and. And then just again getting back into his catalog and that find this, this the depth and depth and depth and depth and just the variety of music and the variety of things that he did, and how much of that was science fiction influenced. Right. And um, I'm, I was just scrolling through his his IMDb, um, and so we've got uh, Manifel to Earth seventy six. Yep. We've got. Um, uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Not a genre picture, but one you should watch if you haven't watched. Yellowbeard, which is the Monty Python. No, oh, it's not the right, full Monty Python, right, but right. he was. You know, so there's that's fantasy mm, slash sure. um, uh, absolute beginner, which is kind of a, a alternate fifties kind of thing. Right. Uh, Labyrinth, of course. Labyrinth. Um, Eighty six. We were sixteen years old. Um, Last Temptation of Christ. Um, not genre, but an influential film at the time, right? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Twin Peaks, Fire Walk with Me in '92. '92. Wow. Wow. And um, but then you get into his, some of his voice work. Omicron, The Nomad Soul. That was his video game. Um, and then The Hunger. Mm-hmm. Of course, the the movie The Hunger, um, which would have been what year was that? '83. Uh, Right. That he did. He hosted the Hunger TV series, which oh, of course right, was right, right. Um, the nine, late '90s. So it was your uh, explosion of cable and mm, right. all the the curious <laughs> TV shows <laughs> that you know were hosted by somebody Hitcher and, yeah. and you know, the Hunger. Um, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, Prestige in 2006. Now, see that spoiled me for Tesla. Because uh, when when Tesla shows up in Sanctuary, right, the guy playing Tesla then didn't impress me. I thought, well, he's he's no David Bowie. He's not Bowie. <laughs> but the uh, thing is, is that the guy who played Tesla actually had a had a, a very successful one man show about Tesla that he ran for years and years and years. Yeah, um, which is so it's yeah it's it's which I'd actually it's like to irony. see. That, I, I'd like to see that show. Yeah, um, and they did uh, Arthur and the Invisibles did a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, did a voice on SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, yeah. He was because, all over the place. Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, some of his scenes from the missing pieces of Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks and Mrs. Pe- missing pieces. Some of his, his scenes mm-hmm. showed up in there. That is a fairly impressive genre catalog for, you know, right. a career a career as long as his. And, of course, the music. Um, did, you ever, did, you ever, did you ever the Venture Brothers? I I never watch it. Oh, I don't see. I don't watch Venture yeah. Brothers. I I yeah, I I never it never resonated with me. Yeah, it 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 amused it amuses me greatly and there was the one where basically it was uh they took the lyrics to Space Oddity mm-hmm. and that was the plot of the story. Oh, fun. And of course it was done like a Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> Scooby-Doo meets meets Johnny Quest meets, you know, so right. and and the song and it was completely I mean it was it, so it's the plot you know, the it gets lost in space, and and you know. I actually it's thought about really, doing really funny. Yeah, I actually thought about doing a short film based on Space Oddity, mm-hmm. just just to actually make the movie sure that plays out the way the song does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it would be an interesting visual, uh, interesting 
you know, experiment mm-hmm. in in translating because a lot of times you get the short stories or the or the book that right. gets adapted into a into a movie. I don't know that I've ever seen a song translated into a film um, outside of the Beatles. You know, they yeah. they did their stuff. Sergeant, well, the Sergeant Pepper yeah. with the Bee Gees and George Burns, but. Um, don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, again, it's a generational thing because yeah. we we remember watching that film in the theater. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, there's as a genre fan, um, and you don't think so much. You know, and Alan Rickman isn't, you know, did not do that much genre work, really. I mean, he was he was more except of a, it was so high profile. Oh yeah, that's what people are going to remember. Sure, is Snape and Galaxy, Galaxy Quest, which is voted the seventh best Star Trek. Movie of course, of all time, it, it is. So it's, but but at the same time, they were vastly influential mm-hmm. in the genre. Um, for a generation, Snape is going to be the noble villain. Mm-hmm. For and probably more than a generation. Yeah. Um, for a generation, um, Alan Rickman or Hans Gruber is going to be the gentleman villain. For um, about three or four generations, uh, David Bowie is going to be, you know, his music is going to be weird and challenging and um, hit you at just the right age. Yeah. No matter how old you are, it's gonna, there's something there. I mean, the, the 2013 album, I heard that and I thought, this is, a, this is an album about getting older. Mm. And, you know, 43 going... Okay, this album is talking to me because yeah. it's talking about getting older, and so I mean it's the same the same me in the eighties going, let's dance, yeah, sure, let's have fun, let's, <laughs> you know, it's it's a party, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's a place, it's a weird place to be to sit there and and realize you're losing these folks, but at the same time, mm. like Simon Pegg said, we've got all the stuff that they've left behind, and we were we were there for it. We yeah. were, we we got to be here. And you got to be here for this one, for this episode. Uh, we're going to wrap up because we can talk about we this forever, like we always do. Um, want to thank everyone who has downloaded uh, our XNR discussion last week. I think it's one of our top, uh, one of our top yeah. episodes so far. Uh, let, so we 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 like to see those numbers, and we're actually getting some good numbers. So you know, since we've moved over to podcast.com, we're actually getting we can some more this accuracy. Stuff. Yeah. Um, I'd still, I, I don't think it's counting iTunes still, but that's okay. Uh, if you have, uh, your memories, the things that you would like to share thoughts about either David Bowie or Alan Rickman or getting old, or if you've got a, a picture of a lawn that you want to send us, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the email address, a lawn we can get yes, off of the email address, <laughs> H2O at sci-fi for me.com. You can call our hotline. It's area code five, seven, three, 42 sci-fi. And I have an idea, and we're gonna we're gonna promote this through the next couple of episodes. You know, we've got episode one hundred coming around the corner. Yes. Let us do. Let's see. Let's see if anybody's out there who will send us uh, a question. Let's let's do a question episode, and you can ask us anything, and we'll we'll do an ask me anything episode for our one hundredth. What do you think? Yeah. All right, so let's set up hashtag H2O Podcast 100. And anybody that's got a question, 
you can ask us with that hashtag, H2O Podcast 100, and uh, we will read your question on the air, uh, assuming that it's polite and civil. And We may paraphrase. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're going to do, because that's coming around the corner. That's just a few weeks away. Very excited about that. Uh, in the meantime, you can also leave us a comment on our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Tumblr, and YouTube. And, of course, uh, as always, you can get the latest news over at SciFiForMe.com. And we do encourage you to listen to our other podcasts uh, that you can find on iTunes or through your player of choice. And to check out our other website. Yes. Our new sister our site. New, our new site, HorrorForMe.com. Dun, dun, dun. And, uh, and read all about scary stuff over there. And that's going to do it for us this week. We will be back next week with another episode of H2O here on Sci-Fi From Your Radio. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 